0: So Galatians chapter 4 is where we're going to be. Now Paul has been in Galatians, he has been laying out these amazing blessings from God that we have in Christ. And he says, look, we the Spirit of God has now come. The Spirit is, is in us that we are justified By our trusting faithfulness in God, just as Abraham had been. And now we are heirs of Abraham. We are children of Abraham. And that's all because of Abraham's seed, talking about the Messiah, who now makes us children of God. And, and through baptism, we find that, that we have been clothed, we have put Christ on. And, and the Spirit of God has come and to be with us. And, and that, that we are in these new creations. And as we, people rise up out of the waters of baptism, this new community arises. And we hear all of this and we say, Wow. This is so amazing that that Jesus would come and he would die so that this mysterious thing that Jesus has done in substituting his life for our life, his death for our death, that he's broken the bonds of sin, the things that had enslaved us. And now, as we talked about in class, we said, but now Paul kind of goes to this more serious tone in our text. And the reason is because of what's been happening with this whole book. And that is, these Galatian Christians, they were turning back, or at least considering turning back from their former place of, of slavery and bondage. And going back to a type of bondage. And we listen to this and we think, oh man, there's, those people, they're so dumb. How could they do this? Do they not realize... And what we fail to realize is ourselves in the story. And how we fail to realize that we also are tempted just like these Galatian believers. It just may not be the exact same things. But here we have this wonderful freedom in Christ, and we are tempted to go back to this this former way of slavery and bondage. In fact, in the beginning, let's start off this way, and noticing that we are in a cosmic struggle we are in a cosmic struggle we go to Galatians chapter 4 we begin in verse 8 he says but in the past when you didn't know God you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's but now since you know god and i love this or rather have become known by god how can you turn back again to the weak and bankrupt elemental forces do you want to be enslaved to them all over again you observe special days months seasons and years and i'm feel for, fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you it's been wasted We've talked about these issues with the Galatian believers. These missionaries had turned the gospel into a works of the law and we have said, and if you've been in class you you would have seen these things as we studied these, that the law he's not saying is bad. The problem was they had turned them into a legalistic practice that they believed that Jesus was the Messiah even these missionaries but they believed in a Jesus plus mentality that Jesus somehow wasn't enough to save them and therefore they needed Jesus plus being circumcised Jesus plus following dietary laws Jesus plus the very thing that he talks about here and these this Jewish calendar we talked about the Jewish calendar a little bit. And he says that you have fallen back to these, these weak and bankrupt elemental forces. Now here's what's going to surprise you. We know from uh, the earlier part of chapter 4, these Galatians, and he mentions it here, that they had one time served idols. That was the very thing that had enslaved them. Paul isn't saying you're turning back to idols. That's not what they were doing. He's saying you're turning back to to another form of slavery and this time that slavery came by these missionaries and so forth teaching them that they had to observe all of these special days and months and years and seasons if they're really going to be pleasing to God we enjoy a freedom that allows us the freedom to participate in these things or not did you know that Uh, He's not saying that, well, you know, you can never sit down and really do a study of the festivals and during the time of, like, Passover, really study this and see it for all that it's worth because I'm here to tell you there's something beautiful. There's absolutely uh, something that opens up our minds to things that we may not even realize with this fulfillment that has come in Christ, and these are beautiful. But if someone says, you have to do this, if God is going to be pleased with you, or for your salvation, then that becomes a legalistic problem. Now we all look at this and we say, "Well, uh, well, no, I've really never had a problem celebrating, you know, these Jewish holy days and things of that sort." So let's put it on our perspective. My favorite holidays coming up: Christmas, bah. No, Christmas is not my favorite. But growing up, I heard, I heard two arguments in the religious world and community. One was that you cannot celebrate the birth of Jesus in December 25th. Uh, to say that, you know, the New Testament does not advocate this. They're right. Um, the arguments went from Galatians chapter four, the very text that we just read, and this is where legalism comes out of, folks. It's when we pull a text out of its context and we make it sound the way we want it to sound, and we want it to to stand with our argument. If you've been in Bible class and you've been in here, you have seen how this context flows. And this context is about following these things for legalistic purposes, following them for salvation and justification and redemption and all of these kinds of things. And so people have taken this particular passage out of its context and they apply it to things that it's not even applied to because there are people who they don't necessarily think that, in fact, in fact, I don't think anybody in our culture really believes Jesus was born on December 25th. Really don't. But even if you believe that or not, if a preacher got up and he preached during Christmas on the birth of Christ, he would receive Christmas jeer out in the foyer. Maybe even worse. Or if there was, you know, somebody in the congregation and they had a manger scene, whether it's inside or outside of their house, then Oh my, they are looked at and suspect. These people aren't really know what's going on. They, this is wrong. The other argument is, keep Christ in Christmas. And, and to really push it, that Jesus is the reason for the season. And if someone only looks at Christmas as a family holiday... That's just sacrilegious. That is just someone who, uh, you know, doesn't care about Christ. They're ashamed of Jesus, and that's why they do this. That's, these are the arguments. And if you didn't have a manger scene, at least a small one, you were considered suspect. Now, the question is, we have these two differing, varying beliefs. Which one is right? Here's the answer, neither one. And it's not that, you know, well, are you saying we can or we can't celebrate it as a time of Jesus' birth? I'm saying the attitude on both sides is what's legalism. That it has to be this way or it's wrong, or it has to be this way or it's wrong. Let's take the first one. And and let me say this. Do you really think Jesus has a problem if we think about his birth on December 25th? Do you really think, with all the things going on in our world, that this is the thing that really upsets him? This is a moment that has been anticipated for centuries, folks. I would say it was a pretty big event. Two of the gospel writers gave great detail about the birth of Jesus. And I would say that the angels were pretty excited when they showed up that night, don't you think? And and when they came along and, and they went to the shepherds, you know what? The shepherds were pretty excited about it too. Pagan magi. They were in awe when they finally found Jesus in a house. other New Testament passages continue to allude to the birth of Christ. Uh, But I think you get the point here. Someone says, yeah, but the Bible doesn't tell us to celebrate his birth. That's correct. But I don't believe that God is displeased because someone uses the story of the birth of Jesus as a means of growing closer to God. For some of us, if you're with me, you're in us, you find Christmas exhausting. I don't like it. I don't like all the commercialism. I don't like the Christmas cheer at Walmart. I don't like it. I like Thanksgiving. So for some of us, this is the only thing that brings me peace. It's just to to focus on this. Even so, the world, who never thinks about Jesus, will all of a sudden stop. And they will take notice of this Christ child. I'm going to let you in on something else. Because one of the things we like to say is, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say that, you know, this is something that we have to do. And the Bible, de- the Bible doesn't say that we are to do it, rather. And therefore, unless the Bible says this is a, ho- a holy day that we are to follow, then we shouldn't follow it. Did you know Jesus celebrated what we call Hanukkah? It was known as the festival of dedication, festival of lights. Folks, that wasn't even written in the old law. That came in between the testaments. Read the story of the Maccabees. And and listen, this will blow your mind. Jesus used this Jewish holy day that's not found in the Old Testament. He used it to say, I am the continual light of the world. I don't think Jesus gets too caught up in some of the things we get caught up in. Now, let's take the flip side of this, though. Because for someone to say, well, it's wrong if you don't celebrate the birth of Christ at Christmas. That is legalism. We don't know when Jesus was born. A lot of people think it was in the spring, possibly the fall. But I don't think anyone who studies thinks, you know what, no, December 25th, that was the day. The Bible doesn't say, you know what, this is something you must observe. This is something you need to observe. We don't find that anywhere in Scripture. Someone may say, yeah, but if an individual or or a church doesn't make Jesus a reason for the season, they're going to be missing out on an opportunity. And you know what, There, there probably are going to be some opportunities. I think it is a good opportunity. But I also believe the Bible teaches us that we are to take our opportunities every day. it is okay if you want to celebrate the birth of Jesus for Christmas but it's wrong if you say that other people have to do it too it's okay to say I'm not going to celebrate Christmas as the time that Jesus was born that's okay but it's not okay for you to say that this is something that is wrong. We go right back to these, 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 these bankrupt, worthless, elemental forces that have enslaved us. And we catch ourselves and we're all wrapped up in this thing and it stresses us out. Do we really believe that's what Christianity was about? Folks, we're free in Christ. There is very little that is given about our procedures for worship. Very little is given about how we study the Bible. Very little is given to us about our celebrations and yet we have had no problems in using those freedoms throughout the years. You say, "Oh, come on, now, how do we do that? What about Wednesday nights?" What about having Bible classes, building facilities, having a sign down at our road with a particular name that has to be on there? Folks, those are freedoms that we have used over the years. Circumcision, dietary laws, Jewish calendar, folks, these were sacred, they were biblical, they were important things. And we can take our own things that we believe and know are biblical and sacred and that are important things and we can turn them into bindings, enslavements. Let's just take something that I think we would all agree is saying, this is sacred, this is biblical, this is important, and we'll take prayer. When I was a kid, I remember this. When I was a kid, when they would have the opening prayer, all the men were supposed to get either out into the aisles or where they were, and they were to kneel. Anybody grow up? And that, okay, so, alright, see there? See, I, I'm not, I don't just make stuff up up here, folks. And I remember those days, is there anything wrong with someone kneeling in prayer? No. The Bible talks about all kinds of postures in prayer. But what would be wrong is to say that unless you get down and kneel, that you are not being reverent to God. We can bind prayer as to when a prayer has to be said. And this hasn't happened here. This has happened uh, in a couple other places I've been before. And, And they said, you know what? You have to end Bible class with a prayer. Whoa. All right, first of all, find Bible class in the Bible. Secondly, find me where they ended that Bible class, which isn't there, with a prayer. Is it is it wrong to have a prayer in your clothes? No. Is prayer important? Yes. Are we to be about prayer and to pray without ceasing? Yes. But folks, we can turn it into an enslavement. Listen, I may have certain ways and certain people and certain things that I like to do in prayer, and I believe this is a good time to pray. But if I bind that on you, and if you don't agree with me, and you don't do it the way I do it, that is legalism. And I don't care how good prayer is. Folks, what he's saying here is you are in a cosmic struggle. We often think about this spiritual warfare. Well, that's what we were before we became Christians. And and that's that kind of life that we had lived before. And that's who we were. And that's the things that we did. And, And then we think, okay, but now I'm in Christ. I'm free from all that. Hey, Satan can't touch me. Let me tell you something. These weak and bankrupt elemental forces, they will take anything they can in order to enslave you. And so Paul says the things that is enslaving you are things that are sacred and that are biblical and that are important. But we don't have a problem with that, do we? Hey, let me tell you something. We, we struggle with this. And I also am going to tell you this. It destroys your freedom. As we've seen through this letter, it does something else. And that is it divides the body of Christ. In class, we talked about the motives of these missionaries. In fact, look at verse 17. He says, they are enthusiastic about you, but not for any good. Instead, they want to isolate you so you will be enthusiastic about them now it is always good to be enthusiastic about good and not just when I am with you he's saying that their very practices this enslavement that they have brought you to this legalistic following of the law he is saying folks it's isolating you over here remember what is this Galatians been about for those of you who have been in here this whole time you know that they were sharing the same table of fellowship they Gentiles and Jews this was a big deal they were sitting together they were eating together and they were one and not just Jews and Greeks But last week we also saw those who were slaves and free and those who were men and women. He says, we all come to this table as one. And Jesus is the head of that table. But when we start, when we start this binding of things, we begin to isolate people. We start withdrawing fellowship as they did with the Gentile Christians, because they had not been circumcised. And we can begin to withdraw fellowship from people that we believe are different. And it's a club mentality. If you don't think exactly the way I think, if you don't do things exactly the way I do things, then we just can't be in fellowship. And we can get in our groups and we can gossip. And we can talk about those that we don't believe are as spiritual as we are. We can judge what true spirituality is supposed to be. And we drive wedges in the body of Christ. We fight over who's right and who's wrong rather than focusing on the fact that we have been rescued from this present evil age let's keep going be Jesus be Jesus verses 12-14 through 14, he says I beg you brothers become like me for I have become like you You have not wronged me. You know that previously I preached the gospel to you in physical weakness. And through my physical condition was a trial for you, and you did not despise or reject me. On the contrary, you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. And this can come across, we talked about this in class, it seems a little bit arrogant. He says, look, you need to be like me. But you need to understand the philosophy of the day and how things were, were done in the day. And we talked about that in class. And there was always to be, if you had a philosophy, if you had a belief, that there is to be emulated. And so that, that those that, with whom you speak, that they can see this. Folks, we're talking about discipleship. We're talking about the Vine Project that, that we keep talking about, that we keep just leaking little bits in, at a time as we continue to study these things for ourselves. And we make changes in our lives because, listen, that's what it's all about. It's about emulating others who are in Jesus You say, yeah, but we're supposed to follow Jesus. Yes, I'm not talking about that. Paul says, imitate me as I am in Christ. And notice what Paul says in there. He says, as I also had emulated you. In what ways did he emulate them? He said, because you had joined in this table with Jews and Gentiles, and now you're pulling away. Folks, we need to be Jesus. We need people to see this in in its physical presence the best that we can. Jesus. Okay, i got to keep going. i got to keep going. Last point, we are family. 19 and 20, he says, My children, again, I am in the pains of childbirth for you until Christ is formed in you. I'd like to be with you right now and change my tone of voice because I don't know what to do about you. Paul uses this metaphor of birth pains. And he says with this birth pains, the birthing of the Galatian congregations was a part of God's plan for this new creation. And he considers them his children. And we see this over and over again, this type of metaphor as we go through the Scriptures. Because when someone comes and they teach you the gospel of Jesus Christ, they become a spiritual parent to you. That's, again, part of that discipleship. Now, the the goal isn't for you to be a child the rest of your life. We, We want our children, physically, to grow up and to have children of their own. That is what the process is about. Jesus began, and he birthed these disciples. And these disciples, they birthed more disciples. And it continues on as we go throughout history. And that's what we are to be about as well. But what I want you to see is that he says we're family. All right, I know you're fickle. I know sometimes you're not very loyal, but we're family. I want to say something very personal here. It bothers me to no end when brothers and sisters in Christ from this congregation leave and they go to another place. And, And let me say this. I also realize there are some occasions where that needs to be. It's it's a good thing and we're not going to get into all of what that is or what it isn't. But what I find is a lot of why people will want to go and leave what is to be their family and go join another family is because, well, I like their style of worship better. Well, I like their youth program better. I like their young adult program better. I like these things better. I believe we as a congregation, we have to continue to evolve culturally. I believe that. I don't think we need to be stuck in the 1950s. I'm sorry. We don't. We've got to continue to evolve. But it really bothers me when I see people who leave and they go other places. And I know, I know for a fact... That they have been loved on and they have been cared for. And I know, and I know for a fact, some of these have been helped, whether it be financially or emotionally or during the worst time of their life. And the body of believers were there for them. Are we a family or are we not? But look, before we say too many amens, let's flip this a little bit too. How are we helping the situation? Do we go after family who leave? Do we even know they're gone? And I know there are times, and listen, usually when people are ready to leave, they're ready to just, most of them are ready to just make a clean cut, okay? And what I mean by that is, I really don't want to discuss it anymore. I've made a decision and I'm gone. And and they will make those, and there's not a whole lot you're going to do about that. I know of people that have left, and they'll say, well, nobody contacted me. And I know, and I know, and I know that's a lie. Yes, I said it. I didn't say they weren't telling the truth. I said they lied. But how are we helping the situation? we got to ask ourselves this question. Have the people who left... Have the people who left, when they're here with the body of Christ, all they hear is negative? To all they hear from your life are, you know what? I don't respect the elders. I don't respect the leadership. I don't like this program. I don't like that we do this. I think it would be better if we did it this way. What if we focus on just being Christ to people? And helping them be like Jesus, instead of focusing on all the things that we wish were and were. And and listen, I'll be the first to tell you, there's things that we could say we need to change. When I say we, I mean me. Okay? And here's the other thing. You leave and you go to another place, they got problems too. And you say, yeah, but they don't, you know, there's, pro, there's people that I just don't get along with. Let me tell you something. I've studied personalities for a very long time. Those same people are in other churches. You just hadn't met them yet. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you the truth here. What if we prayed for people instead of belittling them? What if we helped people rather than criticize them? We're family. Now every family's got issues. Thanksgiving Christmas coming up, folks. You know what I'm talking about, some of you. You fix and get ready to get with some of your family. You know that if, if politics comes up, it's going to get ugly. Probably if religion comes up, it's going to get ugly. You say, really? Yep. Yeah, but if everybody in, in their family, though, is, is they grew up going to the church of Christ, I mean, they are all, no. I can tell you that's the worst arguments I get in. <sighs> Y'all are getting me stressed out about the holidays. <laughs> uh, but look, we're dysfunctional sometimes, we don't agree with each other sometimes, but we're family. That means I'm there for you, and you should be there for me, and I should treat you in this way. But again, we have to put the point back on us, because it's easy to say, yeah, those people that left. ah, ah, ah." What about you? How are you helping the situation, too? Listen, Galatians is for all of us. It's not me standing up on my high horse telling you about what all this is about, and you all need to change. Let me tell you something, this thing, it steps on my toes every week. I wrestle with it. Let's keep this simple. We're all sinners in need of a savior. It's hard enough being like Jesus in the sense of that we are in his perfection of love and care and compassion. Without adding on all of these other things such as when Christmas is or isn't or how it's supposed to be celebrated or, or you know, our, our assemblies have to be this way or it has to be that way. And Folks, do we not understand there's a freedom and a joy that we have in Christ and that we just... We're so tempted, this cosmic struggle is we are so tempted to bind ourselves to things that God just doesn't talk about because He doesn't really care about it. Because if He did, He'd be in here. Here's what He cares about He cares about your soul. He cares about rescuing you because you can't do it yourself. And for those of us who have been rescued, listen, that's what He cares about. And for you to continue to grow and to be like Him and to emulate Him so that others can see Jesus in my life. Folks, that's it. Getting caught up in all this list of rules. We're just going back to the week and the bankrupt elemental forces of the world. So what can we do for you? And maybe you're that person, and you know what? You haven't come to this Jesus. But you're finding out he's pretty awesome, and he's a lot better than the people who are trying to emulate him. And maybe you're that person who's here this morning and you say, you know what, I am discouraged. I'm discouraged with my family, my Christian family. And I, I, I want to sit down and talk about it because I love them. And, and, and what you find out sometimes is just misunderstanding. Sometimes you find out that you're the problem. We don't like to hear that, but you know, it is. I don't like it when I find that out. But look. We're all a group of people who are in an unredeemed world and we're just waiting for Jesus to come. And I would say more than anything, if there's something in your life that we can help you with and pray with you about, let's do that. And it doesn't have to be right now when we sing and in all this. kind. We want to be here, though. If you're ready for that, you may say, well, I've got some private things we need to talk about. Listen, do that, because that happens probably more than you think. We encourage that. If we can help you in any way, come now. So together we stand and as we sing.